Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Design Driven Life, where we hope to inspire you to shift your mindset and create the world that you want to live in. Hi, my name is Wendy Yates, and today I'm speaking with Shannon O'Donnell. Shannon O'Donnell allows curiosity to guide her work and to guide her around the world and believes a life of travel can transform you, but only if you allow it to. She hit the road in 2008, traveling slowly and supporting grassroots tourism along the way. She is an acclaimed travel speaker and works with universities and businesses all over the U.S. to share how travelers can use tourism as a force for good in the world. Yes. And I am super excited for you to listen to her story. Uh, I hope that you take something away that inspires courage and curiosity inside of you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. So, you know, in 2008, I left to travel around the world. And without that, I was living in Los Angeles. And while, without having done that, I would not have found myself, I think, in Barcelona. I was on a very tr- different trajectory in life. And I went on a one-year round-the-world trip that lasted 10. And eventually, all wanders must end, I think. And I couldn't really fathom going back to the U.S. And I passed through Spain. I, my Spanish is pretty good. I'm not going to say it's perfect, but I speak some Spanish. So it just made sense to and they have a visa. So that's the other thing is in Europe, um, Portugal and Spain have two of the most favorable visas for remote workers. Oh, wow. And it worked out. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, but Europe in general can be hard to move to, but there are places where if you make an income online and you meet some minimum income thresholds, then you're able to apply for a visa. I'm super inspired by your just like up and go and just, I'm going to leave LA and travel for 10 years. So um, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about what inspired you to just take off and start traveling? And what was your first kind of initial experience as being a sole independent? I'm assuming you independently traveled alone as a female and maybe a little bit about that initial experience and um, for someone who might be a little fearful of venturing out and doing something like that on their own. I can still remember the moment that I decided and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take a round the world trip because I come from a very poor family and nobody really told me that was possible. The internet, and it was in a very different place, as you know, as everybody can remember back in 2007, eight, when I was thinking about changing the direction of my life, I was living in LA pursuing acting, but also falling into a lifestyle there and a mindset that I didn't jive with who I was. It's the Florida girl, um, the sort of girl from rural, you know, Florida didn't, didn't do well in Los Angeles where you just have to know a little, you have to be a little savvier than I was. And I wasn't loving where my life was heading and the decisions that I was making. Let's just say that. And so I found a blog of some women who had stopped their media careers and traveled for a year. But one of them was from a town near mine in Florida. And I went, wait a minute that's actually an option. And I was working online at the time doing search engine optimization, consulting uh, remotely. And at the time I had been talking to my dad, I was like, maybe I'll move to Boston or maybe I'm going to move somewhere else. But I, I was going to leave LA and I read this blog. And honestly, within two months, I had decided that I was going to travel, but I didn't know that what that was going to look like. And one day my best friend went just buy the ticket. And I listened to her. I woke up And I found a one-way flight from LA to Australia. And I booked a one-way flight for five months to the day. I was like, my lease will be up in four months. 
five months is about enough time to to sell everything I owned and leave. And that's how that's how the beginning of the trip got shaped. And I was terrified. I cried the day I was supposed to leave. I needed my best friend to go. You've got this. You are strong. You are independent. You're starting in Australia. They speak English. That is an amazing just inspiration to say, just start, just, you know what I mean? Whatever you want to do with your life, just start doing it. You don't have to have it figured out. I I talk about that a lot just within my team. Like just do the things that you feel, you know what I mean? Strongly and passionately. You don't even have to feel passionately about it. I'm sure you weren't like, I have this passion to go to Australia, but it was like, you knew you wanted to do something different and even trying to find that just, just start doing something different. Right. And just take the action. And, um, so what were, when you got to Australia, what was kind of the first thing that you did on your, on your new venture of, of travel that you didn't have planned? Um, you know, I think I sat in the hostel and rocked back and forth. What have I done? No, <laughs> Uh, I'm only lightly joking. There, there was, there was a big transition because like you said, I I am big on, you will take the planning to expand whatever time you give yourself. You know, if Mm -hmm. you give yourself two years to plan around the world trip, it'll take you two years to plan around the world trip. I gave myself five months and I left five months later and I landed on Australia with a backpack full of enough, you know, and you can buy what you needed there. So for travel, especially like you can adapt anywhere in the world. So that first week was just me figuring out I had a lonely planet I hadn't read because there was no time I was down to the wire trying to plan and pack and everything. So in Sydney, I just walked, I did everything the lonely planet said, and I talked to other backpackers and I started learning the cadence of travel and what it's like and actually realized that it set the tone actually that first week that I was not going to be alone. I was a solo traveler, but I joined another backpacker who had arrived the day before. And we went and did a day trip, you know, through the botanical gardens and to the zoo. And that was, that set the tone for the rest of my travels, which is I would always find other people willing to join me on these adventures and share their own interests and curiosity and help guide me through anything I didn't understand, which at that point I didn't understand. I had never really been (laughs) How did you find, like, what were the networks like at that time to look for other travelers or this, this comes down to where in your life, where you are in your budget and what style of travel you're willing to do. But I think for, even for people who want a private room, hostels still remain one of the best ways to find people they have. They are shaped with, with the programs that they have. They often have group dinners a couple times a week and they have common areas. And so in that way, even if you're not in a dorm, most hostels have private bedrooms. And so even though in my early, when I left, I was 24, I could not afford a private room. I was staying in six to 14 bed dorms. And that's an easy way to meet people. I, for, you know, even after I graduated to private rooms, I use hostels because someone is always, always arriving, wants to go do something with you. Even, and I've joined couples. It's not just other travelers. Couples are willing to have you come too. you know, peg along, you you share the cost of a taxi or tuk-tuk or rickshaw, wherever you are. So in state, I don't have any experience staying in hostel. So I'm asking this question for myself, but also for others out there again, who might want to have a little bit of fear to overcome, to just go out get started and um, be a global citizen of the world. How did you determine safety and security in hostels? I'm not saying they're unsafe. I just don't know. So, you know, when you're uh, sharing a space with strangers, like how did you have a process for determining which ones were ones that you felt the most comfortable with? I read reviews. So there are more places, especially in 2008, where then there weren't so many reviews online. In India, it was much harder. We would show up in a town because there was no real infrastructure. 
and go to the place the Lonely Planet had recommended. But generally for most of the world, especially now, there are reviews. They will tell you how secure it is. Are they gonna offer lockers to keep your stuff secure? If not, I traveled with something called a pack safe and it was a mesh net. So it's really hard, you know, not super hard. If you had a wire cutter, you could cut it, but it was enough that you can't pickpocket it very easily. Someone's not just going to slip your stuff out. It would go around my backpack. And then it had a long chain that you could loop to the bed frame of your bunk bed or wherever you're at. And so I would do that. I had to work from the road. That was the agreement leaving in five months. I mean, I wasn't meant I wasn't able to save up money. So I had my laptop and honestly, some hostels weren't secure enough. I would show up and I would look around and I would say, can I leave? my business, which is the only thing I'd have to go home if I lost my laptop. No. So I backpacked around and some days my day pack had my laptop and everything in it. And so it's really on the, on the physical stuff side, you can find out online what it's like. And in terms of safety of your person, most people are genuinely good and want to have a good time too. And they're, they're not there to hurt you. I would stay in female bed dorms when possible but I've stayed in my share of shared mixed dorms and nobody has ever, and that's 10 years of travel, now 12 years of travel, nobody's ever done anything untoward or made me feel uncomfortable in these shared rooms. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's really important to hear. Um, Again, as a solo female traveling, um, when you can be unsure, um, you know, I think the messages that get out there in the world is that things are unsafe and that's, what's focused on. And you're right. Mm -hmm. Most people are genuinely good people. And if they're traveling and staying in the, in hostels or wherever they're staying, they're, they're looking to, you know, live a life of purpose and explore the world and, you know, just generally enjoy their life. So, um, thank you for sharing that experience. And you said that, um, you know, in one of the questions we asked you before that it was kind of a, uh, it's kind of just a question we ask everybody because there's so much talk always around purpose and joy. And, um, even more so in 2020, I think a lot of people, uh, did look inwardly or reflect outwardly to really kind of determine what it is they wanted to do because they had time, right. There wasn't a lot of, you know, you weren't as busy with travel or, you know what I mean? So go, go on your goals. And so you, you said that your purpose was to learn as much as you can while you're here. I want to know if you can expand a little bit, why that is so important. So I think, there's so much joy, personal joy that you get when you are finding life interesting. And I think curiosity is a choice. So I have helped raise my nieces and nephews. They traveled with me, actually. I don't think I um, told you this yet, but I had a niece who was 11 at the time and she backpacked for seven months in Southeast Asia. We, I homeschooled her from the road. And one of my guiding principles then was just to teach her how to be interested because, you know, there's this on me, they they get they reach the teenage years and it's nothing's nothing's interesting and I just wanted her to understand that when you are guided by curiosity you can learn you life is just more interesting you don't get jaded as much and if you treat people as if they have something to offer you you know they have interesting life stories to share with you and they have their own knowledge and you can learn from them it changes the whole interaction in a positive way for them but also for you because you're not you're not just self-focused. It's the idea of the daily gratitude practice, right? Is it, it's making you look outside of yourself and look for things, good things that are happening. And so for me, learning and being curious about the world is just, it's a daily gratitude practice. It's, it's what can I find in this new destination? I, you know, 10 years on the road, 
I had to a lot of things. There was like, oh, this waterfall looks a lot like that waterfall, but I had to find a way to still be interested and intrigued by it. And for that, it was, what can I learn that I didn't know before? And how can that help my life and help me just stay engaged and interested and continue on this journey, this one life we get? (laughs) Yeah, it is one life and there is so much to learn. And I totally agree that every single human being has something to share and give and teach. Um, And there's never, you can never have learned it all. Like every single day, you can always be learning something new. I follow the gratitude practice as well. So maybe you can share like what your process is, you know, just sort of like how that routine works for you. Um, Because I also notice when I skip that step um, in a day that my day is kind of crap. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's just a different, it's a different vibe. Like, you know, it's a totally different vibe. I'm like, okay, so now I have to stop what I'm doing. And, you know, I do like a gratitude affirmation and then like things I want to happen or exist, you know what I mean? So I start with the gratitude, but if I don't go through that process and if I don't do it, like kind of first thing, it definitely changes how I look at things. Um, Mm -hmm. even though I feel grateful all the time, if you don't sit in that space and really say it, whatever it is like sunshine, you know, air, sometimes it's like super simple breathing, whatever. Although that's probably one of the most important things to be grateful for, but (laughs) what's your gratitude practice look like? I mean, similar, similar to you, it's, it's to identify what I'm grateful for. I usually do it at the end of the day, sort of a a reflection, what, what has happened that's been good today. Um, what can I find the gems? And especially after a stressful day at work or, you know, now remote work for everybody. Um, it's, it's what was that? But then I also like to say, is there something I can do before I go to bed to share that with somebody? So can I send a friend a text? Because I'm really bad actually. And I love that the, the whole world now uses Zoom and friends who I sort of disconnected with because I'm always traveling. Now they're willing to join me online and we're actually more involved than ever. But I think staying connected, even when you're in the same town and especially in a pandemic year like this, asking yourself, not just gratitude, but who am I grateful for that I can right now before I go to bed, send a text that says, I was thinking of you. I hope you had a good day. Like even something simple like that changes their life too. It changes their day. I love that. That's so, um, in synergy actually with something I just started called bedtime stories, really bedtime thinking, just like a quick video I'm putting on social media, like thoughts to like help you something good. Like, you know, so you can sleep better, like, and reflection and like different things like that. I love that you do your gratitude in in the evening, but I have started recently thinking that way, not with my journal, but thinking more before I go to bed, like, okay, what can I do for someone else? So I love that you just mentioned that because it's something that had been like on my heart recently to start doing, like I haven't, it's so recent for me to, you know what I mean? Because I have such a hard time sleeping. Um, so I, I love that you just shared that because I think it's important to think about it throughout the day, the beginning and consider the end too. Um, and the reflecting back is such a great message to share for other people to sort of start implementing into their evening routine. So you said that you were living in LA as an aspiring actress, and now you work in SEO and I would love to hear how that transition happened. Um, I feel like <laughs> acting is like such a creative thing and SEO is such a technical, you know, uh, different, so different. I'd love to hear how you, uh, I mean, obviously probably because you were traveling, but you said you were working in SEO too before. Um, so let's share about how that transition happens. So when I graduated high school, I was only, I have four brothers and only one of them 
had also graduated. So our family had had some struggles. And when I went to college, my family supported me. I had gotten a full merit-based scholarship and they were supported my decision. You know, I'm going to be an actress. They said, fine. They lightly noted the, how are you going to make money? You're going to, <laughs> you got this free ride to school. Maybe acting is a tough choice. And it, it turned out, and I think for the better, because I love where my life is at now, it turned out that you couldn't hold down, you weren't allowed to hold down a job and be an acting major at the university I was at. You had to commit to taking any role they gave you and they would give you a role and they didn't allow you to hold a job. So I made the d- decision to minor in acting and instead major in advertising and public relations. And so I still held on to the dream of being an actor, but I gained a skill set in marketing and content writing. And just sort of through that work and through the professors, I got a job before I even graduated doing online SEO for somebody who let me do it remotely. I was working on his portfolio of websites. He taught me everything that he knew. This is sort of 2005, 2006, early days SEO. He taught me all the skills that took me through the first six years of my travels. I worked for him almost exclusively. I did some some freelance SEO for startups and small businesses. And now I'm director of SEO for a content company. And I actually do it for multinational brands, you know, uh, Reebok and I mean, major companies. And so I went to LA on that dream. And what I realized is, is I, I want to still be a creative person, but I could fulfill that with launching this newfangled thing called a blog in 2008. <laughs> nobody was blogging. And so I was interested in writing. I had been a writer. And so I wrote and I learned photography and I took all that passion for acting and I taught myself photography and I got really quite good at it. And I was able to sell some of my photos over the years and my blog became much more popular. I think partly because I was really interested in not just dear mom, look where I am today with a selfie, but really trying to share the stories from the road and translate the creativity I was missing from not doing acting. But I really also didn't have to worry about paying the bills because I did my SEO consulting on the side. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm actually reading your, a little bit about your blog this morning or on your blog this morning. And um, it's, it's really great. Um, I, I think it's amazing to be able to really capture the amount of people you've captured with all the blogs that are out there. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, which I know you may or may not consider yourself in that space, but you obviously are. And um, what are some, you know, you talked about the authenticity of the storytelling, which I think is so important um, to create the foundation and this, uh, I don't like to use the word success, but the elevation that you have had for your life. Uh, What can you share with other aspiring blog travel writers, because in the sea now that exists of so many, how can they stand out and share their passions? You know, I would say you have to define success for yourself. So I, my blog is successful. I would say objectively, there is a sea of blogs and many get less traffic if that's what we want to use as our success metric. But I was never interested in being an influencer and I would have had to have sacrificed some of the way that I tell stories to do that. So I don't accept sponsored posts. I don't pimp products. Uh, my theory from day one was if there was a link, if I, if I included a link or a promotion, would my, and my grandmother clicked on it, would I be horrified? You know, like if she couldn't understand the relationship I had to this company and she thought I was endorsing it. And so I really would try to be transparent with my audience and it did limit my growth, but it, it made my, t- my community tighter. It made those, you know, those 100 people, you know, those true fans, the fans feel, felt like they knew me. There wasn't a personality I put on. 
there are things that I don't include in the blog. There were, I didn't share the story about growing up super poor and some of the problems that my brothers had encountered with drug addiction and all that. That was an aspect of my story that while I didn't include in a travel blog, I was 100% authentic in who I am and not sort of putting on a show. And that was fine with, with me. Like that was the choice I made. I think some people may want to go the influencer route and sort of put on a persona that they put on. And that's just a different place but whatever you choose you have to commit i tend to think that with the number of travel personas out there in the influencer space which is already i think reached the peak that the best place is to share who you are and genuinely your point of view on the world and build your community even if it's very small even if it's a tiny corner of the internet you have you know 600 people on your newsletter list, but those 600 people love the way you see the world and they see it that way too. That's more valuable than 200,000 page views, you know, the, of people who don't really care who you are or what you have to say. I couldn't agree more. It's keeping your circle of influence and champions with a like-minded group in which you can thrive and share in. And um, I, I, that's an incredible answer. What brought you to make the final landing spot, Barcelona. I came in 2012 for a conference in Girona, which is just an hour and some change by train. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna stay in Barcelona for a couple of days. And I'm not a big city person, uh, despite having lived in LA. You know, I just, it's not, it's not what I was accustomed to. It was not where I envisioned myself. So in 2012, when I came, I went, oh, it's, it's obviously a beautiful city that that is cannot be overstated you know it's, it's a beautiful city it has a really interesting culture but it didn't feel like it was for me and then in 2016 i took one of my nieces she was 13 and we spent five weeks hiking the camino so 500 miles five weeks with a 13 year old girl uh, and at the end of it that was a tough turning for us both i can you know, imagine <laughs> and one of my goals was actually to discover my next life plan. I wanted to stop traveling. And I thought, what am I going to do? And by we ended the at the Camino de Santiago church. And I was like, I have no epiphany. That's okay. <laughs> and so we flew, we flew for a beach vacation. And we flew here to the Costa Brava. And we landed in Barcelona. And we were walking through one of the neighborhoods. And I went around, I looked around me and I said, you know what, this feels like it could be home. And home is where you can choose to be. You know, it's, it's you have to choose to stop for me choosing to stop traveling and choosing to stop the novelty of something new every day was really difficult. And I said, this is a city that will always surprise me and interest me. And so I'm going to learn to love it the way that other people do. That's a great answer. I don't know what you mean. I think that's an amazing answer. I love that there was no epiphany and that you just went with where your heart led you. Like, I feel like that's when you decided in 2008, what to do, like, that's really been your guiding principle. I love that your grandmother's your North star for like, you know, your ethical choices in life. So, um, that says a lot. Um, so what will be in store for you next? Like, will you, will you pick up travel again or do you have, what are your plans for, you know, your, for your future? So outside of this crazy, strange year, the pandemic year for everybody, travel has always still been something. So part of staying in Barcelona as well was that it's a very well-connected city. Living in Europe itself, but then also Barcelona is just well-connected to the rest of the world. And so I've still been able to plan great trips when other friends from the U.S. are going anywhere in Europe or Africa. I can pop over and meet them. And that's really important to me to keep those connections, to still 
have these, even though I have a home base now where my backpack gets stored between trips to still have the ability to go out there and travel because I find that really enriching for me. That idea, like we were talking about of learning and having input from other people and other ideas. And so that will still stay a part of my blogging, um, sharing it. I continue, I think in the future we'll also be speaking. So sometimes I speak at conferences or at universities in the US where I encourage people to what I call use tourism as a force for good. So I think that travel, and we've seen this with the lack of travel that a lot of de developing countries are struggling, which is travel is a distribution of wealth. So when you travel, you can leave money behind in great businesses and the businesses you choose to support. And that means not staying at you know, the Hilton and instead staying, it doesn't have to be a hostel, but a great mom and pop you know, boutique or leaving money behind is really important. And so as I continue to travel, I try to share with people, how can you do that in the city I just visited? How can you find authentic experiences? Although everything's a bit authentic, but how can you leave money behind? How can you find local experiences and leave money behind and get that curious, cool, transformative experience that we all want? What final thought would you love to share in a life experience to aspiring young writers, speakers, travelers, impact, force for good people out there? You know, it circles back to that, what we were talking about, which is just take the next step. I received so many emails from people who say, I want to travel like you, but, or I'm trapped. I have a long, I want to plan a long-term trip. I want to do this. And there, and then, and then it's the word, but I'm like, make the decision. So set the intention that you're just going to do it. If you, you know, if you plan it for five months out, it's going to take you five months to plan it. If you say within two years, I'm going on a trip and I'm going to have saved this money, you might not exactly hit it. Sure, life happens and you might have to readjust, but you can realign choices, your choices around an intention that you, a concrete intention that you say, oh, I'm going to travel and it's not very concrete. And you're like, one day I'm going to do a around the world trip. You're not going to save for it. You're not going to plan your jobs that you take so that you can do a sabbatical year. Whereas if you say within the next 10 years, I am going to take six months and I'm going to travel around the world. Suddenly you start rearranging all your life choices and that's how you make something happen. And so for these people who want to create an intentional life, you have to put a concrete date down and start rearranging your life choices to make it happen. And it will, it's the only way it will. Well said. Thank you so much. I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I just adore and admire the human being that you are and am so grateful that you gave up some of your time to share on our little podcast here uh, with other people, um, ways to just help them create the world they want to live in. And so, so grateful for your time, Shannon. And I can't wait to see what happens again. I mean it, sign me up to help with any way I can with the grassroots um, app, because I think it's going to be an incredible tool and add a lot of value to the world. And so amazing initiative um, there. And again, thank you for your time. I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the design driven life. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate and review our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe for automatic delivery of new episodes. I am thoroughly loving our platform for our podcast, Budsprout. So if you are considering, and you should, starting a podcast, it's so fun. It's a great way to connect with people. It's not hard when you have the right partners. 
If you're looking for a place to host your own podcast, join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Start for free and receive a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up.